if you get a dog, any breed of dog, of course you should do your research. Of course, I agree with that. But they were saying that if you got a breed of dog, you should understand that you are getting exactly what that breed's description is. And that is just not true. Welcome, my name is Michael Aceta. I'm the founder of Matador Canine Brilliance and author of the Dog Training Cheat Codes. You're listening to the Acknowledged Dogs Podcast. What we're going to get into is the five reasons as to why your dog does anything. Okay, your dog only does certain behaviors, certain things for five influences, five reasons. Now, I'm going to break down each one of those reasons, and it's going to help you start to take the actionable steps towards solving the problem with your dog. We're not necessarily going over those actionable steps today. However, once you understand how to diagnose the problem, you know where it stemmed from and what the reason is, it can help you move on the right path. So if you have a dog that has behavior problems, they're chewing on the couch, they're uh, chasing after the kids, they're barking at strangers, there's a definite reason as to why that's happening and it's gonna fall into one of these five influences. That's it, it is super simple. It's not about this or that or all over the, get that out of your brain now. And I want you to start to absorb that there's only five reasons why your dog does anything. Are you ready? The first reason is going to be genetics. Now, this episode, this podcast that I'm recording here actually stemmed from somebody saying that if you get a dog, any breed of dog, of course you should do your research. Of course, I agree with that. But they were saying that if you got a breed of dog, you should understand that you are getting exactly what that breed's description is. And that is just not true. We put so much emphasis on genetics, actually an overemphasis on genetics, and then we say that there's nothing we can do about it. So I don't want you to put an overemphasis on the genetic breeding and selection of your dog. Yes, it's something to consider. Yes, it's something to look at when selecting the right dog. However, we cannot assume just because we got a German Shepherd or just because we got an Australian Shepherd or just because we got a Bulldog that they're going to act like all the other German Shepherds, Australian Shepherds and Bulldogs that we've met. For example, I was working with a German Shepherd once who was the complete opposite of a German Shepherd stereotypically. Okay, It acted more like a Golden Retriever. It didn't want to do anything, but it was happy about seeing people. It didn't bark at other people. It didn't mouth you at all. It barely wanted to use its mouth. It was completely opposite to what most people would consider a German Shepherd to act like. Another an advanced breed would be a Belgian Malinois. People get a Belgian Malinois to do bite sports work, agility, uh, frisbee, really intense kind of stuff. And I was working with this beautiful uh, Malinois and the gentleman wanted to do bite sports, wanted to do agility, wanted to do all this stuff. And we couldn't because the dog was terrified, terrified of the environment, okay? Now that might stem into some of the other reasons for behavior, but I want you to understand that just because you're looking at a specific breed doesn't mean you're going to get every single aspect of that breed, okay? Understand that that's a possibility. Now, that being said, within genetics, there's two factors that we can control. Number one is the breed. And number two is the selection of the ancestry, okay? So if you're looking for a dog or if you're looking for your second dog or you just wanna have some fun with it, you can look at what your dog's stereotypical 
variables are or selection or behaviors that they do, and then see how close your dog fits that. If your dog does not fit it very well, then there might be another reason, right? And we're gonna go over those. There might be another reason as to why your dog's not fitting into the stereotypical breed behaviors. However, if you're looking to get a dog, then you're gonna to need to talk to a breeder and find out what the ancestry of the dogs are, okay? The lineage. That heavily influences the specific genetics of the dog that you're getting. This is where people who are doing uh, bite sports work or police work, they're looking at sporting line versus working line dogs. It's a very big conversation, a very big topic. They wanna to know, are they getting a sporting line dog? Or are they getting a working line dog? Because they're gonna behave differently. Not to say that they're gonna be perfect, right? You could get a working line dog that acts more like a sport dog and you can get a sport line dog that acts more like a work dog. But you're getting as close as you could possibly get, roughly. Of course, there's variances in, in all of this stuff, okay? But that's genetics. Why my dog does a specific thing might be contributed to genetics. They're breeding, uh, they're herding, sorry, they're herding. Their breed would determine that they herd or maybe they point, maybe they retrieve really well. Okay, I know plenty of golden retrievers who do not retrieve. And I know plenty of pointers who have never pointed ever. And some dogs do it naturally. And that is attributed to their genetics, okay? Don't get so hung up on the breed specifically. Just because it's a German Shepherd, just because it's an Australian Shepherd, just because it's a Belgian Malinois, doesn't mean it's gonna act like that specific breed. It could act like a completely different one, okay? So let's move on to two, the second one, okay? After genetics, after we say, okay, I've looked at the genetics, my dog is not acting the way they're acting right now because of the genetics, okay? They're chewing up the couch. They're, they're not hurting, but they're a hurting dog. So maybe that has nothing to do with the genetics. Let's move on to step two, chemistry. The chemistry in your dog's brain, whether it's a naturally occurring or it's influenced by their diet, is going to contribute to the imbalance in their brain or hypervigilance in their brain, just like people. So if there's a chemical imbalance in your dog's brain, it is going to influence how they act, whether they, uh, they're they slow, whether they're jittery, whether they're nervous, whether uh, they can't walk straight, right? There's a chemical imbalance in your dog's brain. Oftentimes people ignore this because they don't want to accept it, just like human beings. Right? If you have ADHD or you have something else, sometimes medication can help you on the road to learning the coping mechanisms. If you don't go through the process of learning how to cope with certain behaviors, you can never get any better. Same thing goes for your dog. If your dog is freaking out all of the time and losing their mind, there is no way for you to give them new information to teach them how to cope with the world. So what we need to do is get us on a level playing field where they can start to interact with us and absorb the new information that we're trying to teach them. And then we can wean them off medication. I was working with a dog named Piper. She would walk into the facility and immediately want to kill me. She would look at me, she would lunge at me. And this was the, the dog's problem. It was reactive towards men. So after a few sessions, we started to say, okay, we're not seeing as much progress as we typically do with these kind of cases. Why don't you bring the dog to the vet and see what the vet says? They did a screening, they did a test, whatever. And then they recommended some medication to lower the dog's threshold to make it easier for the dog to start to absorb new information because of how worked up she was, she wasn't getting anything. 
Those training sessions, she, she wasn't absorbing the information. It would have taken years for her to get it. And then it might not have been possible because her brain wasn't in the right space. So they administered a very low dosage of medication. The dog then started to accept the new information of training. Started to realize, oh, this guy's nice. This guy wants to do fun stuff with me. I want to do fun stuff like playing agility. And so now we were able to progress and eventually we got the dog off of medication. We were able to wean the dog off medication because the dog had learned the coping skills of when it's stressed out and it doesn't like somebody and it wants to lash out at them, it can just walk away from the situation. It couldn't do that when its brain wasn't in the right mindset. The brain wasn't able to think clear enough because of how crazed it was. So if your dog is completely over the moon for something, or there might be another neurological thing going on, whatever it may be, whether they're over the moon, whether they're completely lethargic, there might be a chemical imbalance. And again, that could either be from a natural occurrence from the genetics, okay, that's happened, or it could be from diet. So you're feeding your dog something and it's causing a uh, chemical imbalance. Now, that's one and two, genetics, chemistry. We're gonna move on to health here. I wanna take a moment and thank all of our loyal followers. This podcast would not be possible without you. Leave a review and let us know what you like and wanna learn on the next episode of the Acknowledged Dogs podcast. Now, back to the show. And personally, I had this happen with my own dog. Now, I got Hawk when he was four years old. He had an abscess in his cheek that made him aggressive. And I know that sounds ridiculous. Your dog's aggressive. Yes, he was. Simply because he had a pain in his cheek. And when you pressed it, he would react. Stands to reason. If I have a headache, I'm going to be a little more grumpy, right? And so once I solved the health problem... The behavior almost immediately went away. He's no longer aggressive. That's an influence of health. That is because there's a health problem causing what's called pain-induced aggression. But that's not only what it does, right? Health doesn't just cause aggression. It can cause a bunch of other things. But essentially what we're looking at is, okay, genetics, checked off. Chemistry, checked off. Is there a health problem? My dog doesn't want to sit because their hip hurts. My dog doesn't want to run quickly to me in a recall because they broke their toe. Okay. My dog doesn't want to go up the stairs because their shoulder hurts. There's a health reason involved. My dog doesn't want to keep running because they don't have any more cardiovascular capacity to continue running. They are beat. They are wiped out. They're tired. That's a health problem. Now, I know I've been talking a lot about behavior problems, but I also want to flip the script and talk about the positive sides to these. Right? If you're looking to do something with your dog, then you also want to go through these checklists. Okay, I want my dog to be a sport dog. I want to do agility with them. Great, let's first look at genetics. I'm going to look at genetics, find the breeds, maybe I pick three or five, that I'm willing to work with in order to have an agility title. Then I'm going to look at the chemistry. So I want to look at the tests. If I'm getting from a breeder, I want to look at the lab results and see what's the chemistry of this dog. And if you understand chemistry, if you understand what you're looking at, uh, great for you. That's fantastic. Or you can just ask your vet to kind of explain it to you or the breeder if they're a competent individual. And then you want to look at health. So after you've looked at the chemistry, okay, the chemistry all looks normal, which is great. That means we're not going to run into any problems when we're doing agility. And then I want to look at the health. I want to look at the parents of the dog. Genetics there are going to influence the health. And my dog's health is going to influence their performance. 
See how it all trickles down like that? So then when the health is involved, I wanna make sure that my dog has a long career in agility, a long career in spite sports. But then also I can influence the health by doing certain exercises, conditioning routines, strengthening certain muscles to make sure that my dog can perform at their absolute best. Genetics, chemistry, health. Now, still sticking to the good side of things, we're gonna move on to the fourth influence of behavior, the fourth reason your dog does anything, and that's going to be early experiences. Early experiences. This is between three to 12 weeks old. Sometimes it extends a little bit past that, depending on the breed, it could go up to 16 weeks, but roughly we're looking at the first three to 12 weeks of age. Oftentimes this is going to be with the mom of the dog, unless there's been some unnatural occurrence, or this is going to be under the supervision of a breeder. So your breeder is really responsible for the socialization period is what it's called, the three to 12 weeks of your dog's behavior. And what they need to learn is everything that is normal to them. They need to learn what a car is, how to walk, how to have a leash on, how to have a harness on, how to be handled, manipulated, groomed. All of that should happen before 12 weeks of age. Otherwise, you're moving into the next category. I'm gonna talk about that in just a second. So that early experience is huge. Think about a dog that grew up on a farm or in the city, vice versa. If a dog grew up in the city and you've moved it to the farm, it's going to behave very differently as well as if you had a dog grown up in the farm and you brought it to the city, it's gonna behave very differently. The early experiences that that dog had is trying to help guide it through the rest of its life. And so if we don't set them up for success between three to 12 weeks of age, when they eventually get to where they're gonna be for the rest of their life, they're going to struggle because they just don't know what to do. See the problem here? So the best thing that you can do is talk to your breeder, or if you're rescuing a dog, ask what the early experiences were. That way you have a better understanding, especially if you're gonna be doing sports or something like that. You don't necessarily want to have behavior problems creeping up while you're trying to focus on getting titles and ribbons and awards and stuff. So depending on what your goal is. Now, if you already have a dog, and they have behavior problems, and you've looked at the genetics, chemistry, and health, it could be from the early experiences. But unfortunately, there's nothing you can do about it, right? Chemistry, you can go see a vet. Genetics, you can't do anything about it. Health, you can go see a vet, and you can fix the problem. Maybe you strengthen some muscles. Maybe you do some rehab, that kind of thing. Early experiences, there's nothing you can do about it. It's already happened. We've moved on from it. And what we need to do is move into the last influence of behavior, and that's adult learning. Why does your dog do blank? because they've learned it as an adult. Okay, why does my dog jump up on people? They've learned that jumping on people gets them praise, gets them to say hello. So of course, they're going to jump on more people, right? Why does my dog sit patiently when I go out the front door? Because they've learned to sit patiently before I go out the front door. See the difference here? See how, you know, we can influence the rest of their lives through these five influences. The behaviors that your dog does every single day are only influenced by these five things. So no matter what behavior problems you're having, no matter what your goals are with your dogs, you have to look at these five things and start to understand where they stemmed from in order to move forward. But there's really only two that you can control, three you can control, sorry. Chemistry, health, and adult learning. So if it's not chemistry, if chemistry is not the problem, 
and health isn't the problem, then you need to do more training. Okay, if you've done a, a ridiculous amount of training and something's not clicking, go backward. Well, maybe it's a health problem. No, it's not a health problem. Maybe it's a chemistry problem. So you're gonna go back and forth between those three, chemistry, health, and adult learning, or adult learning, health, and then chemistry. I'll give you a couple of examples here. My dog's not sitting. Okay, is it their hip? Or just have I not done enough training? My dog's not recalling. Well, is it a health issue? Is it a chemistry issue? Okay, or is it adult learning? I just haven't done recall enough. I haven't practiced the behavior enough and able to warrant doing it in that environment. Now, genetics could also play a role in that. If my dog's not recalling because they're pointing at a rabbit, well, the genetics would say that the dog should point at the rabbit and should continue to stare at it. Now we need to do something else. We need to do more training to combat the genetic side of your dog's predisposition. Okay. Now, if you're struggling with any of these problem behaviors and understanding, okay, how does this work? How do I fix any of this? I made a guide for it. It's called the Resolving Complicated Bad Habits Without Using Punishment. The link's gonna be in the description, uh, or you can just go to Matador Canine Brilliance forward slash Resolving Bad Habits. Matador Canine Brilliance, I'm sorry, matadorcanine.com forward slash Resolving Bad Habits. Matadorcanine.com forward slash Resolving Bad Habits. I'm gonna leave you with this. Just because your dog's behavior stemmed from one of these places does not mean you have no control over it. You have complete control over your dog's behavior, whether you think you do or not. And when you do train your dog, when you do work with them, when you do solve problems, not only does it build a stronger relationship, you get to have more freedom with your dog, but the world opens up, I promise you, no matter how difficult it is right now to work through these problem behaviors, to work through the, the difficult training sessions, the obstacles you have in order to get to where you wanna to get to, the world opens up when your dog is well-behaved, when they're well-trained, when you get to uh, experience new things with them for the first time and have full confidence that they're gonna be safe and respond and listen to you because you've done the work, because you've put the effort. So get out there, go train. Thank you guys for listening and I'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Acknowledge Dogs podcast. Subscribe to this podcast, leave a review, and connect with me on your favorite social media platform.